Welcome back to the program. This is Dr. Tom Curran. You're listening to Sound Insight. It's great to be with you. As always, we begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O most sacred heart of Jesus, I love you. I thank you for revealing your love for us, pouring forth your love, knocking on the door of our hearts. Lord, help us to be gracious and grateful to you. Teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Make us witnesses of prayer through our lives. Lord, just help us never to abandon prayer. In Jesus' holy name, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. He who abandons prayer abandons all that is good, St. John of the Cross. The one who prays will surely be saved. The one who does not pray will surely be damned, St. Alphonsus de Liguori. Prayer is the lifeblood, the lifeline of our nurturing communion with God. If we're going to grow in our relationship with God, we need to pray. And even though that's true, and, and, and it's easy to define prayer as communication with God, which involves two ways, right? But for many of us, it's like, well, where do I learn how to pray? How do I grow in my understanding of prayer? How do I actually develop prayer in a way that isn't um, so rooted in theology or certain models of the spiritual life that we can get a bit overwhelmed? So I'm going to narrow it down. Today on the program, I'm narrowing it down to 10 statements, and these are statements that all come from my prayer life. And so I have found these statements very important in praying and in expressing or in nurturing my relationship with the Lord. And so I'm sharing them with you today in the hopes that you'll uh, you'll be encouraged. Maybe you'll find that, oh, wow, I, I use those too. In fact, I, I would even improve on what you're saying, Tom. I'd add in these other ones. If you can do that, that is awesome. But maybe if you had to come up with 10 statements, 10 simple sentences that are expressions of how you interact, how you express that sense of communion and union with God in your prayer life, what would those 10 statements be? Now, I have to admit I'm cheating a little bit. I actually have 13, and I so I put three under <laughs> under one of the 10, and, and you'll you'll see when we get to that. And, and I'm being pretty bold here that I'm going to get through these 10 sentences. But I do encourage you, I think this is like one of those keeper programs. It's sort of an evergreen program. It's not related to what's happening in the world today or what's happening in my life today. Though it is actually uh, about an hour and a half before I head out to Eucharistic Adoration. And so uh, I'm actually giving you a little bit of a preview of the kind of things that are going to show up in my hour of prayer with the Lord in adoration. And so um, I hope that this is a blessing. It's I do this really, really, truly to be a blessing to you and, and to be of service to you to help you grow in your own spiritual lives. Okay, so first statement, and there, there's a little bit of an order to these statements as well. The first sentence, it's an easy one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I actually take that guidance from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, that beginning with a statement of contrition, beginning with a statement of acknowledging that I have failed to honor the Lord, is very powerful. It's a very powerful way to help clear away the cobwebs. It's a very powerful way to help um, uh, nurture a sense of being in the presence of God. 
and I didn't make this up. It's something that I was, I think, especially blessed to learn from St. Catherine of Siena in what she taught on prayer. And so I have like very distinct memories in my own um, life of faith, just growing up and, and experiencing an awakening of faith when I was 18, uh, that uh, St. Catherine of Siena was very early on a, a great inspiration to me. And so I can remember kneeling down, and that's a beautiful like way that your body can correspond to the act of your spirit, to say, I'm sorry. And so I do encourage you, when you, you're beginning your prayer time, to begin with, I'm sorry. And, and there are beautiful fruits and benefits that come from beginning your prayer time with, I'm sorry. The first is this, it'll help dispose you to be authentically sorry. It's a question that I get asked by my kids. Well, Dad, we go to confession, and at the, at the root of confession is this act of contrition, this willingness to say, I'm, I'm, I'm disgusted by my sin, by the fact that I've settled for less, and I am so sorry, Lord. But I actually don't feel sorrow. Right? This is a very common sentiment and statement. Maybe it lives inside of you. I know that it comes from my kids, and it definitely lives inside of me. But what you'll discover, and email me if you if you have not found this, what you'll discover, it's what the saints teach us, is that going into a penitential position like kneeling, folding your hands, turning to the Lord internally, just and saying, I am sorry. And then in those times where I have been extremely, let's say, dry and distracted, like not focused and not feeling anything, not feeling it, um, saying, Lord, I am so sorry that I don't feel sorrow. I'm sorry for that, Lord, that it is really powerful. You'll be amazed how the Lord uses that humble act of spiritual poverty that humble act of spiritual poverty, Lord, I am so poor before you. I am I'm in such a situation of deficit before you that I don't even feel sorry for the ways that I've dishonored you, denied you, and betrayed you in my thoughts, words, deeds, and omissions. I am so sorry, Lord. So try that. I really encourage you, especially if you if you like don't have a like a, a regular life of prayer. Try that and, and, and give it a couple of minutes. Really, that, that, that's a long time to be saying, Lord, I'm sorry, and I am so sorry. And, and if you have something that comes to mind, express that. I'm sorry for this, which leads me to my second sentence. The, and I'm going through 10 sentences. So the second sentence is, forgive me. And that's a beautiful, natural overflow of expressing sorrow. I'm sorry forgive me, forgive me. And there's a reason why. It's, it's not only that I have damaged or broken my relationship with the Lord through my thoughts, words, deeds, or omissions, through my sins, through my betrayals of love to the Lord who's loved me faithfully, but I want to restore that relationship. I want to put myself into the Lord's hands and make a request, petition Him for forgiveness. Please forgive me, Lord. I don't deserve it. I'm not coming before you because I've earned your forgiveness. I'm not coming before you because somehow I, I, I'm 
taking on the right tone of voice before you. No, I'm calling upon your mercy. I'm asking for favor when I don't deserve it. Please forgive me. In fact, those two are part of the five sentences that'll heal your life, my book on confession. You can actually get a free download. Go to mycatholicfaith.org, mycatholicfaith.org. Click on digital resources. They're free of charge. You can click on the book Confession, five sentences that'll heal your life. The five sentences flow you through the act of making a good confession. I did it. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And the last two, I'll make up for it. I'll never do it again. But I'm sorry and forgive me are two sentences that are almost like the natural just starting point. Not always, not always, but they are regularly the starting point for my own personal prayer times. Um, And so I, I encourage you to do that, especially if you have something weighing on your heart, a point of of feeling ashamed and guilty. It makes you want to hide from God. It makes you want to avoid God. It makes you want to somehow like not have to like look God in the eyes and put it out there. So it really becomes a beautiful way of developing your spiritual life to be able to begin with not only I'm sorry, but to say, forgive me. I'm now looking to you for something, for forgiveness. Very powerful. So that's the second sentence. And um, the third is, I love you. And that sentence, I love you, we often think about in relationship to like a face, a name, someone who is like a physical presence right in front of me. Right, uh, you don't. You can say, "Oh, I I love basketball," right, which is a concept or a game, right, and or I love art or I love philosophy, right. But to say I love you makes things so very personal, so very personal. And guess what? That's exactly the purpose of saying, "I love you, Lord. I love you." Father, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Holy Spirit. How many times have you heard me say on Sound Insight through the years that when Carrie and I are attempting to foster faith in our kids, we want that faith to be intimate, personal, profound, and life-giving? Each of those things. Intimate, personal, profound, and life-giving. Personal, that's the second one. And that's the one that um, is, uh, it, it's almost like the linchpin to the other ones. Because the personal one is having the sense of you're looking someone in the eyes. There's someone there. There's someone that is personal. There's a person. There are three persons in God. And so I can relate to God in a personal way. In a way that, here you go, I'm known by God. He knows me. He knows me and he calls me by name. Jesus knows me and he had me in mind. Wait a minute, hold on. Jesus Christ, when he walked this earth, when he was preaching, somewhere in his mind, that divine mind that was in perfect union with that 
human mind is the reality of, Tom, you're in there. Tom, you're there. Tom, I know you. And casting down through the centuries, I knew that you would be reading the gospel and reading my teaching. I knew that. I knew you as I, I picked up the cross. I knew you as I underwent the agony in my garden. In the garden. Don't you want that for yourself? Don't you want that for your kids? That's a personal faith. That's a personal faith. And it's something that will be nurtured. It's something that will grow in us by expressing statements that are personal. And so saying, I love you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. It, it, it might feel awkward. It might feel foreign. It might be something that, goodness, I, I, I want to make sure I say it in a, in a kind of a closed-off space where no one else can hear me because it, it's pretty intimate. It's, it's pretty vulnerable. And it's also like kind of acknowledging out loud that I, I believe and I have a sense of encountering the living God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who knows me, takes the initiative towards me, knocks on the door of my heart, wants to enter in and commune with me, knows exactly what I'm going through, and beckons me into a relationship where I can return love for the love that I've received. That's what we want, isn't it? Isn't that what we want for ourselves and for our children? Answer is yes. Oh, I know I do. I believe you do too. And so say it. Say it before the Lord and together with your family, in front of your family. I, uh, it's one of the things that I say, uh, I say this to parents and, and to men, when you're leading family prayer, to incorporate at the beginning of that prayer time an expression of your own personal love for the Lord. You know, Father in heaven, thank you for blessing our family so much in Jesus and through him. And Father, I just say to you tonight, I love you. And I thank you for loving my family, my kids that are here with me tonight and, and my wife. And Father, I just ask that you would love us. Pour that love upon us in a personal way that we would know that you have a tender care for each of us at those points of deepest need. You know, talk like that. And, you, and, and your kids might be saying, who is this guy? <laughs> Who is this guy? But it's it's powerful. It's sowing seeds, like the sower of seeds. It sows into their hearts. It'll have an impact. It'll have a profound impact on you, but on those around you as well. So don't be afraid to say, I love you to God in prayer. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Dr. Tom Curran, and it's great to be with you. If you're enjoying this program and you want to access it afterwards, it's available on Apple Podcasts, which you again can access by going to mycatholicfaith.org, mycatholicfaith.org. You'll see a link to the Apple Podcasts, or you can listen to it right there on mycatholicfaith.org. You can also sign up for free digital resources. That's right, talks I've given through the years on a variety of themes, lots of Catholic uh, teaching about the Catholic faith, as well as audio, uh, I'm sorry, videos and 
books that are downloadable, including my latest book on marriage, A Gift from God. It is free of charge. My gift to you. So I do encourage you to do that if you're blessed by this program and pass it on. You can also sign up on Apple Podcasts. There's a link to that as well. And if you do that, rate the program and give it a review. Of course, give it a five-star rating and a good review if that's how you're so led. Back to the program. Today on the program, I'm sharing with you 10 statements in prayer. 10 statements that are really, I'm kind of just sort of, as I shared, just kind of being a little bit of vulnerable and sharing with you, this is how I talk to God. These are statements that regularly uh, are part of my prayer time. And in one way, one form or another, they show up in my prayer time. And I find that they are beautiful in sort of expressing the contours of a relationship with the Lord. Like, what does that look like, and how do you nurture it in prayer? So that's the goal of sharing with you these 10 sentences. In the first segment of the program, I shared with you the first three. I'm sorry, forgive me, and I love you. In this segment, let's go through the next three. The The next one is thank you. Thank you. And I mentioned to you that there's sort of a natural flow to these statements that I, I begin with, I'm sorry, and forgive me flows from that. And then when you encounter the consolation of the Lord, the net most, which is a, an expression of his tender, faithful, and loving mercy towards us, it'll naturally give rise, supernaturally manifest in self, in us, a desire to say, I love you. I love you, Lord. Thank you. for Oh, wait a minute. Did you hear that? It, it just, again, it just so naturally follows to say thank you to God. And, and for me, when I say thank you to God, I often will think of like Psalm 116. There's just this beautiful, like this beautiful idea, or Psalm 16, um, which is just how can I make a return to the Lord for all the good he has done for me? Lord, how do I do that? How can I possibly thank you? How can I possibly thank you for blessing me in ways that I are so beyond anything that I had any right to expect? I had no clue that you would bless me so abundantly and generously. And I'm all I'm so often grateful to God for his mercy. And when I say his mercy, I don't just mean the mercy that rescues me when I've fallen, that saves me when I've sinned, that sets me free, redeems me when I settle for less and fall short, but also the mercy that has preserved me and my family from so many harms and dangers, darknesses, and uh, other like uh, spiritual bondage and, and, and demonic attacks. Like, I have no idea how much the Lord has preserved us from. And so, when I say thank you to God, like, I am thanking God for the blessings that he's poured upon my life. Like, my, come on, what are some of the things to be grateful for? Like, let's just start at the beginning. Let's start at the root, the foundation. Like, thank you, God, that in creating me, you planted me in a family that was Catholic. Thank you, Lord, that you planted me in a home 
where I grew up with a Catholic faith, and that you have watched over, nurtured, protected, and preserved, and and stirred into flame my Catholic faith. Thank you, God. Thank you. And thank you, God, for the blessing of a wife that walks with me in putting you first as Catholic Christian disciples of Jesus. How can I ever thank you? You know, if we get that part right, then like everything else, does it really, 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 really matter? Like, okay, how wealthy, how famous, how comfortable, how easy, how, um, uh, you know, like, again, what am I doing? I'm getting at like things that are just connected to this world, human, human, human goods that are goods that uh, that can become detriments to growing in our relationship with the Lord. But just to just say, just to get the first one right, thank you, God. Thank you. And so um, when I think about this whole flow of what do you say in prayer to God? I'm sorry, forgive me, I love you, thank you. Thank you so much for loving me. Which then leads to the next one. Uh, the fifth statement that, okay, you can see, it's not just thank you, Lord, for the blessings you've given me. Praise you for being such a God. Thank you for being a God who is merciful, a God of kindness, a God of tenderness, a God who has almighty power a God who's faithful, a God who's so infinitely patient with me, with us, with the way that we fall short and settle for less, with, you know, come on, praise you, God, for who you are. Praise you that you are the creator, that you are the redeemer, that you are the sanctifier. Do you ever praise the Father, for just being your Father. Praise you that you are the eternal Father, Almighty. Do, do you do that? I, I mean, I'm going to tell you, it is so enriching to your spiritual life if you give over some time in your prayer simply to praising God. Because when you praise God, you're not only getting your eyes and your, your, your heart off of anything happening in your life, like all those things that you want to bring to God in prayer, that you want to shape and mold, like how you're talking to God and what you're emphasizing in prayer, it, it lifts you up and out and beyond the things that are happening in your life, in your home, in your family, in your society, and in this world, in the church, and it's just focused on God. It's just so beautiful to praise God. And you can praise God in song. Song is a beautiful way to praise God. I've used praise songs for 35 years, just as long as my faith has been alive. Well, now, oh my goodness, it's almost 40 years. What am I saying? When my faith has come alive, I 
love to worship God. And so I, I encourage you to like lean into worship music, praise mu- and worship music. And that might be Gregorian chant. It might be um, charismatic uh, praise and worship. It might be traditional hymns of praise to God. Like at the Oaks, uh, we say after uh, at the end of any important gathering, and that might be at the end of the the musical or the play, at the end of sporting events uh, that we are playing against other teams, or at the end of the hymn uh, singing services at the beginning of the week and the end of the week con- called Cantabile, praise God from whom all blessings flow. The doxology, it's just rooted in our kids, and praise God for that. So. Praise is something that lifts us up and out and beyond this world and puts our focus entirely on God. Do not doubt the importance of praise. So today on Sound Insight, this is Tom Kern. I'm reflecting on 10 statements that are an integral part of my own prayer life. And I'm not sharing them with you because they're part of my prayer life, but because these are statements that are rooted in the scriptures and have been taught so simply and cleanly and clearly by the great saints of prayer, the great traditions of prayer, and are reflected in the teaching of the church in the magisterium and in the catechisms on prayer. So none of these statements should be surprising to you, should feel like, is he just making that stuff up? No, this this is like deep stuff that is said in simple ways that my intention is to equip you to be able to get some handholds to say, when I'm praying, what should I do? What should I say? These are 10 sentences, and they're in a particular order. And so you can see the first one was, I'm sorry. The second was, forgive me. The third was, I love you. The fourth is, thank you. The fifth is, praise you. And the sixth, the sixth is, here it is. Okay, did you get the trick? The sixth is, Stay silent before God. Be still in silence before God. And I mentioned I kind of cheated. This is the one I cheated on because it's funny. As much as I can say about um, the other sentences, I'm sorry, forgive me, I love you, thank you, and praise you, there are, are more facets to silence. There are more modes of being silent in in my experience than there are to those other, those first five sentences, those those first five statements. Isn't that fascinating? (laughs) And again, I'm not making this stuff up, but silence is associated with the highest and deepest realm of prayer called contemplation. And so I'm going to unfold the idea of being silent before God as having three different meanings. The first level of meaning is staying silent before God is an expression of listening, right? If we believe that prayer is communication with God, then God's involved. And so if we dig a little deeper, we discover that the church teaches that prayer is communication with God initiated by God. Ooh, God speaks first. 
God takes the initiative. God graces the inspiration, the movement that shows up within us towards him. And then when we put some content around that, when we speak to the Lord, when we express our devotion to God, that is being carried by a work of God himself. Well, when we get carried to God, when we get our attention turned to God, well, guess what we ought to also do? Take some time to listen. Listen to the Lord. And and if you're going to grow in prayer, one of the disciplines of, of, uh, of prayer is the discipline of listening to the Lord. You know, it's the priest Eli in 1 Samuel 3, when Samuel comes and stays in the temple. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. It was one of the first things that we taught our kids when we taught them silent times, was that we want you to be silent because we want you to know that the Lord is active, he's present, he's here, he knows you, he sees you, and he has a word for you. He has a message for you. And so listen to him. Listen to him. And so stay silent before God means listening for God's voice. And as you know, it's not about hearing a voice in your ears, but it is sensing that he's saying something to you in your heart. And there's so many ways. Again, this could be a whole programs on how you can listen to God in the scriptures, how you can listen to God through journaling, how you can listen to God by like posing questions and then letting him speak back to you. Very critical. Very beautiful, very important and powerful to listen to God. And so if you don't know exactly what that looks like or where to start, then just use the words of Scripture that Eli said to Samuel. When Samuel was called by name at night, Samuel, Samuel, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And so the next time you go to prayer, I want you to trust I want you to just accept that reality, that that little prompting that said, I should be praying right now, or that prompting that said, I'm going to make it a scheduled time today, and then you keep that scheduled time set apart for God, that that, that was because of God. <laughs> that was, God has the, is the cause of that inside of you, and you moved with it. You moved with his gracious nudge, and that means that he's got something to say. Give him a chance to speak to you. Give him a chance to communicate to you. And here's the thing. By listening to God, guess what you'll grow in the capacity to do? To hear his voice. You will grow in your capacity to discern what he's saying to you by the acts that you make to attempt to learn what he's saying to you. It's, it was like at the first one I said, when I said, I'm sorry. If you don't feel sorrow and you speak it, It's a beautiful way to begin to grow in the very sentiment of contrition. The Lord uses that that disposition, that readiness, that preparedness that the Lord uses to break it up and sow it in you and cause it to grow in you. So that's true with listening to God as well. All right, when we come back after the break, I'm going to cover the other two aspects of staying silent before God, and I'll move through the last four in the remaining two sections of our program. This is Dr. Tom Carney, listening to Sound Insight, back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Carney. It's great to be with you. It's hard to pray sometimes. 
It's hard to be faithful to prayer. We wonder if we're growing in prayer. Does God hear me? What should I say? That's the reason for today's programs. One of the most common questions I get asked, one of the two, I've said this how many times on the program through the last 15 years, the two most common questions I would get asked when I would do faith formation sessions for adults and I'd ask for questions and I would open it up. The number one question was, how do I pray or pray better or start praying or growing in prayer? That was the number one question. Number two was, how do I discern? How do I recognize God's will? How do I discern what it is that God wants from me right now or in this area of my life? So questions around prayer and questions around discernment, the two most common. So today I'm digging into 10 statements that I use as sort of foundational pillars, foundational stones in uh, my own prayer life. Again, it's not about me. It's about what the scriptures and the church is teaching and the great saints have taught on prayer and I've attempted to make it simple and just sharing about it as well so that it's accessible to you and that you'd say, yeah, yeah, I get that. That Hey, look at that. This is, this is a common theme. So that's my hope in sharing these. Okay, so number six, remember, I'm sorry, forgive me, I love you, thank you, praise you. The sixth is stay silent before God in three aspects or three facets. The first was to listen to God. The second is in silence to gaze upon God to look at him. And this is, for me, the very natural context for this is in adoration. Uh, where if you can go to an adoration chapel and there is a monstrance and the Lord is on display as the Eucharist, and that's what I'll be doing in an hour, heading off to adoration, um, what a beautiful gift to be able to gaze upon the Lord in silence. And so, I know, again, this can be foreign, it can be awkward, it can feel like nothing's happening, you feel like, why am I doing this? I'm saying, just try it. On your knees, or after having gone through some of those other prayers, I'm sorry, forgive me, I love you, thank you, praise you, you may sit and in a position, a prayerful position, a posture of sitting, just look at the Lord. And I'll do that. I'll do that really every time in adoration, the majority of the time aren't in any of those other sentences, but those sentences are kind of leading up to this sixth section where I'm just gazing upon the Lord, just looking at him. And here's the thing, this is the really cool thing, is that you'll get these like sort of tangible signs that God is the living God, because when you're just gazing upon the Lord in silence, you know what you'll discover? God starts to do stuff. God starts to some, stir some stuff up. God starts to reveal things. You might begin to sense uh, uh, some, the Lord saying something to you, calling someone to mind, stirring some, some situation that he wants to set you free from. It is amazing how when we put ourselves in that position where we are available, Lord, Lord, have your way with me. I'm here just to gaze upon you with love that he'll start moving. He'll start doing things. And, and you'll, this is where you want to get a sense of how personal God is. As you're gazing upon him and you realize I'm not looking at the host, I'm gazing upon him my beloved, the bridegroom, 
Jesus. It's Jesus. It's that personal. That when you, when, when you are drawn into that sense of, I'm looking you in the eyes. This is where you will come to know your identity. This is where you will come to know the gift that you are, that you're his, and that he loves you and has a mission for you. Just gaze upon him. And here's the thing. You will know that you didn't cause it. You didn't make it up. You didn't generate it. You didn't somehow, like, you're not doing anything because you're not saying anything. You're just gazing upon him. And that sense of just how personal our, our life of prayer is comes alive. And so I can't encourage you enough. Get to adoration and do that. Now, if you can't make it to adoration, get an icon. Get a, a consecrated image of the sacred heart of Jesus. But if you have, I, I love icons from different scriptural scenes or of just of the Lord, Jesus the teacher, I have upstairs. And just at home, have a candle, a prayer space, gaze upon the icon, right? The icon's a window. The icon is a place of manifestation. Right? The, the icon is meant to be a place of contact with the one presented, with the event that's pre- presented. And so that's, again, a whole spirituality. We could go on and on all about that, but holy images, especially icons, have a special grace connected to them. Connected to what? To helping you develop that intimate, personal, profound, life-giving relationship with the Lord in prayer. So gaze upon God. Okay, well, what else is there? Listening to God, gazing upon God. The third facet of staying silent before the Lord is just being with him. It, the, the, be, the gazing upon God has a degree of intensity to it. It has a degree of like this idea of focus, alert, attentive, uh, on the lookout, on the watch, right? There, there's that sense of, of really intensity. The being with is so much more about communing, communing together, peaceful dwelling. It's not looking each other in the eyes. It's being together side by side. It's just being together. It's the longtime married couple in the rocking chairs on the porch, just being together. And the love that's shared between them doesn't require them to look in each other's eyes. It doesn't require them to say anything to each other. It's just being together. Just be with the Lord. And again, you can see how adoration is just so powerful and beautiful and natural for that kind of being with. And so when I encourage folks to undertake adoration as a like a regular devotion in, in practice, this is, this is the reason why. And here's what I'll say to you. If you undertake some of these, if you, if you consider like, under, and, and draw into a time of adoration like this, right, then um, I encourage you to do that in part because you'll then take this back to your own home. Right? The way that you pray as part of your daily prayer life, you may not be able to make it to adoration every day. You, maybe you can do it once a week. And if you can do it once a week, it's going to instill and deepen those spiritual disciplines connected to 
these 10 sentences. And then that will like feed, it'll inform the times of prayer that you have at home. So I don't go to adoration every day. I take prayer time every morning. I go to Mass. I, well, by the grace of God, I've been able to get to Mass daily. What a beautiful gift that has been. But when I do my morning prayer time, it's mostly quiet time. And when I take my quiet time, I'm using the Liturgy of the Hours, and then I'm, I'm silent. But I'm able to draw on the silence that is listening to God, gazing upon the Lord, and being with Him. Because I have a prayer spot, and I've got an icon, and I've got my Liturgy of the Hours, so I can listen to the Lord in the Liturgy of the Hours. I can um, gaze upon the Lord by looking at the icons, and then I can just be with the Lord in silence. Just close my eyes and just be with the Lord in silence. And so, again, you can see how it would lead to a a richer and more fruitful experience of um, adoration, and how adoration will, again, overflow into a beautiful way of fostering that same kind of discipline at home. So there's there's my cheating number six. It's really three, A, B, and C of my 10, and, uh, 10 statements to speak to the Lord in prayer. I'm sorry, forgive me. I love you, thank you, praise you, and then stay silent before God. Okay, number seven. Number seven is, I don't want to be too dramatic, but it's one that I consider so very important not for my life and I think for our generation today, and it's I trust you. It's the divine mercy message, Jesus, I trust in you. Right, The traditional prayer of abandonment, whether it's St. Ignatius Loyola or uh, Blessed, I think now Saint um, Charles D. Foucault, uh, Father, I abandon myself into your hands that beautiful prayer of abandonment. It's that prayer of entrustment, that prayer of uh, putting oneself into God's hands, into the hands of Jesus. It's that, it's that personal, right? So um, that, that whole reality of saying, Jesus, I trust in you. Talk about the need to have that today, right? The need to be able to trust in the Lord today. That, that is the deepest form of faith. All right, I'm up against a break. When we come back, I'll finish I Trust You and let it flow into 8, 9, and 10 in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. I'm talking about 10 simple sentences that can have profound effects on your prayer life. And not just on your prayer life, but on your relationship with the Lord as expressed through prayer. And 10 simple sentences, we can all say them, but Boy, they stretch us. They will really help us mature in our daily prayer life. Again, drawn from the scriptures and our Catholic tradition and the lives of saints and their great teaching on, on prayer and how we grow in prayer. Okay. So the number seven statement is, I trust you, Jesus. And, and the deepest form of trust is entrustment. I abandon myself to you. And uh, that's not always easy today it, it, with, the, with the pressures the trials, the difficulties that we're facing. To say, Lord, I entrust everything to you is really hard. And so I trust you leads to the next one, number eight, which has become a real favorite of mine, very much intimately linked to number seven. 
and it is uh, it, for the last like say four years in my life since I just uh, it was uh, I was introduced to it. Uh, it was the Father Delindo Ruotolo prayer. Jesus, you take over. Jesus, you take over. It's like, I, just I dare you to give God a chance. Give God some space. Give him some room to do something and watch what he will do. And so I trust you. I trust you, Jesus. I abandon myself to you. And then there's the other part of it. Jesus, you take over. I give everything to you. I abandon it all into your hands. Take over, right? So there, there's a way in which we're saying, my efforts have not yielded fruit. My attempts to control, manage, or, or conquer the, the difficulties that I'm facing, personally, relationally, professionally, financially, whatever, that, you know what? I need to not only put it into your hands, I need to specifically ask you, take over. Like, there's that sense of saying, Lord, I need you to exercise your lordship, your saving power, your capacity to bring peace and new life, to, to establish order out of chaos, to set free from demonic powers, all of these things. Jesus, you take over. It is so, it's such a relief to be able to pray like that. And so, especially in the times in which we live, to be able to introduce that that statement into your prayer life, very powerful. Jesus, you take over. Jesus, I abandon myself to you. Take care of everything. Take care of everything. Very powerful. Okay, I've got only two left. I'm gonna make it. I love it. Praise be to God. Uh, today it's on insight. Ten things I'm going over the ten sentences, and and you've heard now. I've heard, I'm going to say them to you again because I want to instill them into you. I want them to kind of be stuck inside of you so that you'll remember this when you go to pray. The first one, remember what it was? I'm sorry, right? Remember that? I'm sorry. And then the natural thing to say after you say I'm sorry to God in prayer, which will help focus and clear the the perspective, is forgive me. Not only am I sorry for what I've done, but I'm putting myself in your hands and I'm asking for your mercy. And when you experience the Lord's favor, when you don't deserve it, especially at those points where you've betrayed him, you're experiencing his love. And guess what love beckons and calls forth from you? Love in return. I love you, Lord. And that makes it so personal to know that he knows you and he has forgiven you and he has poured his love into you. You want to say, I love you back. And then you want to say, thank you. Thank you because so many people are living in darkness, do not know that love. They don't know that personal love of the Lord who has shown himself to me, revealed himself to me, forgiven me, and is loving me. Thank you, God, for all the blessings you've given to me. How can I ever thank you? I want to praise you. Number five, praise you for who you are. What a God we have. What a God you are. Amazing God. I praise you. But I'm also stunned into silence before you. You're so awesome. You're overwhelming. And that overwhelming God who overwhelms me with your goodness and kindness and faithfulness, I want to listen to you. I don't want to just speak to you. I want to listen to you. And not only listen to you, but I just want to gaze upon you with the love that's in my heart and come to realize that you're gazing upon me. But then I just want to be with you. I just want to rest here in your arms and just allow you to have your way with me to heal me and set me free, to unbind me and set me free, and just bless me in any way that you want. And you know what that leads me to want to do? To trust you. I trust you. In fact, I put everything into your hands. 
I'm not just here with you. I consciously, intentionally, freely, completely, and forever give everything to you. And I say to you, number eight, Jesus, you take over. Jesus, I abandon myself, all that I am, all that I have, all that I love, everything that I care about, and I say, take care of everything. Empty, take care of everything. And then what's number nine? Number nine is from Luke chapter 18, 35 to 43. Blind Bartimaeus cries out as Jesus is passing by, son of David, have pity on me. He eventually gets brought close to Jesus. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus says, I want to see. That's the ninth sentence. I want to see. I want you to believe that in prayer, it's not just about you saying things to the Lord and you listening to the Lord, but you responding to the Lord who says to you today and in your prayer, my child, my beloved, my daughter, my son, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And your response is, I want to see. Which leads me to say, what do you want to see? Are you willing to dare? Are you willing to risk? Are you willing to be bold in bringing before the Lord what you want to see? the radical, beautiful, powerful ways in which he wants to bless you. Give him that chance. Give him that space. What do you want to see? And it's, it comes back around to a phrase that is more and more coming into my own prayer life when I talk to others about it is, give God a chance. Watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. So many families that I'm talking to today that are facing immense challenges, unexpected, that they didn't seek out, that has come upon them, and I'm like, Don't, just watch what God will do. It's like they need to cling to that statement. Lord, I want to see. Watch what God will do. This leads me to the last sentence. And it's a sentence that points us towards heaven as our home. And, and it's like, how often do, do, do you say this kind of sentiment in prayer? It's not, I want to see, but the 10th sentence is, I want to see you. I want to see you. Another way of putting it is, Jesus, I can't wait to be with you. I can't wait to arrive at the destiny that you've assigned for me, the goal of my life my heavenly home. I can't wait to see you. It's, it's, a, it's a statement of hope. It's a statement of confidence in, in the Lord and in his promises. It's a statement of communicating with the Lord who is our ultimate end. And this is one that, again, is probably going to be foreign and awkward, not something that you naturally think of, because we are so grounded in this world and in the reality of this world that death is the biggest threat 
to our lives. Death is not the biggest threat to our lives, brothers and sisters. The biggest threat to our lives is sin. Sin is what destroys life. Sin is what brings destruction and disintegration to relationships, to peace in our minds and our hearts. It brings destruction to communities and families. It brings destruction to marriages and homes. It brings destruction to our relationship with the Lord. It destroys, ultimately, our own path, safe, peaceful path to the God-given call of our lives, which is to be with him forever in heaven. And when you say, I want to see you, Lord, I want to see you. I can't wait to be with you. Lord, I can't wait for heaven. Lord, this is what you've made me for. Lord, let heaven break into earth. I see glimpses of your glory and what you've created, but I can't wait to be with you. You know what that does? It washes away a fear of death. It just washes it away. I'm not afraid to die. I'm, I'm afraid of letting God down. Lord, I'm afraid of letting you down. I'm afraid of wasting my life here before I get to heaven, before I get home to you. Lord, I, I, I want to be with you, right? So there's my last sentence. So there you go. I just sort of walked you through. Well, I kind of walked you through a time in adoration. <laughs> I walked you through um, a kind of a prayer time uh, today in Sound Insight. And so just remember 10 simple sentences that will help you grow in your spiritual life and in your life of prayer. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I love you. Thank you praise you. Be silent before the Lord. I trust you. Jesus, you take over. I want to see and I want to see you. Hope and pray this was helpful. Hope and pray this is a blessing. I hope and pray this will help you pray. God bless you. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.